Daniel chapter 1 is where we're going to be, Daniel 1. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 2. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, but that's a bad start. Daniel chapter 2 is where we'll be tonight. Once you find it, go ahead and stand and we'll read the scripture here tonight. Daniel chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin our reading in verse 19. Just a reminder about what's happening here. Uh, I think most of us are aware, we've gone through this a couple times already, that the king has had a dream and he doesn't want them just to tell him the interpretation. He wants to know the dream as well. And his men, his wise men, or his astrologers, they say this is impossible. There's no man on earth that can do that. And they were right. There really isn't um, a man that could take care of this. And uh, he says, okay, if you can't do this, then I'm going to kill all the wise men, all the sages. That includes Daniel and all of his buddies. And so now it's really serious. And so Daniel goes and makes a petition, says, let me have some more time. And, um, and he gets some more time. And I don't know, it seems pretty urgent. I wouldn't be surprised if he only got one night to seek the Lord about it. So he gathers him and his friends and they gather together and they beg God and uh, ask him to reveal the secret. And uh, verse 19 is where we'll begin here. It says, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in unto Arioch, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring me in before the king, and I will show unto the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded Cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days they dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, king, my, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed what should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes, and that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. We're going to stop right there just because there's so much to unpack the rest of the chapter that I didn't want to try to do it all in one evening. Uh, if you know anything about the dream, then you know that the king's dream 
is about how God will set up kingdoms on earth and then he'll let, allow them to fall down. And this happens for uh, really over the course of a couple of millennia and until the end times. And we're not going to get into that until next time. But I, I want to focus tonight on Daniel, how he sought revelation and he responded to revelation. Because I don't know if you consider this very often. I know I've preached about these kinds of things before. But based on how much time we spend uh, sitting under revelation and reading revelation, we, we better have a good approach, the right approach to God's revelation, or we'll just go through the motions over and over and over again. And tonight I just want to look at that how to seek and respond to revelation, or maybe you could say it this way, how to, how to appropriately interact with God's revelation. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord, we need you. Pray that you bless our time, bless the reading, and meet with us in a good way tonight, Lord. I pray for your wisdom that we would not just hear but apply to our lives. Help us to be good Bible hearers, um, that listeners that don't just allow a message to be preached, but that we're thinking the whole time, how could I apply this to my life? Lord, I pray that we would be good at, at, at interacting with revelation. We love you. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if you remember, this would have been a few months back, I preached a series um, out of the book of James, and I, I talked about hearing versus doing, and and I use this illustration at camp as well, so the teens might be more familiar with it. But the, but the illustration I gave was, as a parent, so there are times where you leave your kids alone at home. And, and when you do, I don't know if you're like this, but, but I give them a list of instructions. I don't want them just to sit and do nothing. That's their default position. I want them to make good use of the time. And, uh, and even just yesterday, I, I was leaving, and Jason and I were going somewhere, and Lacey was going to be going to be home by herself, so I gave her a list of things to do. Okay, you need to make sure your Bible reading is done. You need to make sure you're practicing your piano. You need to start your laundry. You need to do school. Here's your list of things. These are the things that you need to do while we're gone. And, and so the, the, the scenario I gave is then what if then I come home and let's just say this is Lacey and, and she still has the list. In fact, she's taken the list and she's colored all over it to make it look real pretty. Which Lacey would do that. She does that. She would make flowers and rainbows and unicorns and all whatever. I don't know what girls draw anymore. But um, she draws all over and she says, yeah, Dad, if you want to know if I still have the list, I do look. I still have the list. I even made it look really pretty. And I said, well, that's great, but what have you done with the list? She said, well, I colored on it. No, I mean, what have you done with the list? What have you done on the list? And she says, oh, I didn't do anything on the list, um, but I still have the list. Isn't that good? She's like, no, that's not good. That's not the point. No, my point in telling her what to do was not that she would have a list, but that it would translate into action. See, the truth, that truth translates to God's revelation to us when he speaks to us that see God has revealed himself through his word the written word is God's chosen method to reveal himself to mankind we know that he he reveals himself through creation and he revealed himself through his son Jesus Christ 
um, but, but a more sure word of prophecy is what we hold right here in our hands, and that is we have God's word. And this, he inspired this, this book. He preserved this book. His Holy Spirit illuminates it to us. It is important to our lives. God speaks through his word. You know, there's not a more important, because of that, then I believe there's not a more important responsibility to God's people than how we interact with God's revelation. I believe that might be our most important responsibility as the people of God, how we interact with God's revelation of himself. And our text tonight gives us an example of a child of God, Daniel, interacting with God's revelation. And I know it's not the same that Daniel was receiving new and, a new revelation and, and we don't receive new revelation uh, now. I mean, there are truths, though, that are universal in this that I think will help us apply this. We have a responsibility to interact appropriately with God's word. And I know it's not new revelation, but think about it. His word is alive. There's nothing else like it. His word is applicable to every person in every age. It is active. It has power. So listen, this makes our interaction with this book, God's revelation of himself, it makes our interaction different than how we react with any other information. Uh, we don't interact with Wikipedia information like we do with God's revelation. We don't interact with any other book that we read like we interact with God's revelation. And tonight I just want to look at how Daniel interacted, how he sought and responded to God's revelation and how there are lessons for us to learn in how he did it. So first is this, recognize that God's revelation is essential to your life. Recognize that God's revelation is essential to your life. See, Daniel, it says in verse 18 of, chap of chapter 2, Daniel says, Then they would desire, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Verse 17 says, He went to his house, he gathered his friends, and the reason was he knew if they didn't get the information they needed, they were going to perish. See, there's no time wasted here. And when it comes to revelation, um, the, the word, I know we know the word isn't going anywhere, um, but life is fleeting. And when we get to heaven, I believe that we will recognize how complacent we were about God's word. Daniel, as soon as he recognized the danger, he went straight to the house. He gathered his friends and they started seeking the Lord about this. If we knew how little time we really have left, we would adjust our priorities, I believe. See, our priority would be knowing God and through the revelation of himself. That would become our priority. That we would say, listen, I don't, I, I, if I knew the end and I knew how far down the road I really have, I would make a priority of knowing God through his revelation of himself. In essence, we're talking about your walk with God tonight. That your walk with God is dependent on your attention to, your, to God's revelation of himself. That means that your spiritual success is connected to your attention to this book. See, Daniel went to his house, he went immediately, and then he involved others in seeking the Lord regarding revelation. Well, again, look at verse 18. 
uh, verse 17, it says, He made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. See, it's important enough to Daniel that seeking God's word became a joint effort. God's revelation has an impact on a personal level. Uh, how many of you has God ever spoken to while you're reading your Bible by yourself? Okay? All right? And when I say spoken to, I don't mean audibly spoke to you. But that he illuminated something, the Holy Spirit, through his word. And you saw something and it was real and it was alive and it was good. Okay? We've all, I mean, many of us have been, can say that, that that's true. And I don't discount that at all. But God doesn't only intend for his revelation to be on a personal level in isolation. In fact, I believe that God's revelation, his word, is, is most effective when it's a joint effort, when it's on a corporate level. By that I mean that I have a lot to learn from somebody else teaching God's word. That means that, that when I come in sometimes, and, and, maybe, and I felt this a little bit tonight, felt like people maybe you're like maybe dragging in a little bit, not real excited to be at church. And I'm not discounting that. I know that that's life, okay? And, and, and I know that that's how we feel sometimes, and you really were feeling like traveling on tonight, okay? I understand that. But have you ever not felt like going to church and then you come to church and somebody just is excited and has a great spirit and it's a contagious spirit and it's like, okay, I need to wake up and get into this because they kind of inspired me that I need to get more into this tonight. And it happens to me. I think it's happened to you before. And by the way, you can be that for somebody else. You, you can encourage somebody when they come in and they're dragging and they've had a tough week. Listen, on a corporate level, there's something about God's word when it's open. It's contagious when there's knowledge shared and there's accountability given. See, the truth is that we are dependent on each other to interact correctly with God's word. I learn a lot just by watching you and in your interactions with God's word. And you learn a lot by watching me and other people. I, I, I learned a lot. I, I really believe I look back on my childhood. And I really believe I learned more from my parents, not in what they said, but in just observing how they lived their life according to God's word. There's something about the accountability and the inspiration and the edification that comes. And Daniel said, we need God's word. We need it together. They get together. And another part of this is then they seek God. Prayer is essential to God's revelation. See, the word uh, is essential to life and fervent seeking is essential to its understanding. Prayer and revelation go hand in hand. And I believe the reason that most of us don't get much out of God's revelation when we don't is that we don't seek him beforehand. Meaning that we just kind of show up and we're expecting just, okay, yeah, something's going to happen but not once did we seek God and ask him to reveal something big to us this night. We just, we kind of roll in or, and, and we, we, haven't, we have no expectation. We have no anticipation. We just show up and, and, and God's word is something of an afterthought at times. Listen, don't expect God to reveal himself to you if you haven't requested anything of him. Daniel and his friends sought the Lord. They, they begged God that, that, that they would not perish. But I want you to understand or acknowledge the end of verse 18. Acknowledge, Daniel acknowledged that life without revelation never ends well. He, he basically said that, that Daniel and his friends, they sought God that they would not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. He says, Should, would not perish. Listen, if you don't think Daniel was desperate to hear from God, then you're not getting the story here tonight. 
Revelation, God speaking to Daniel and his friends, was the only thing keeping Daniel and his friends from death. And you say, well, that's not really how it works anymore for us. Except, no, think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Our default position is death. And unless God reveals himself through the word, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. So don't know, don't think that it's different for us than it was for Daniel. No, our spiritual lives are at stake. If we don't have the revelation of God, if we don't seek God's revelation, if we're not passionate about the word of God, we can't possibly live successful spiritual lives. Daniel knew that on his own, the only option he had was perishing. And the only thing keeping you and I spiritually connected with God and spiritually successful for God is a continuous intake of God's living word. When we seek God with sincerity, he reveals himself through his word. I'm thankful for that. When's the last time before God's word was going to be opened that you sought him diligently, expectantly, that he would use the word to speak to your heart? When's the last time? We're very good at praying after revelation. But I wonder how much more God would work in our lives if we prayed before we sat under revelation. And I don't even just mean at church. I mean when you open your Bible at home. Not just to cross it off the list. But that you would beg God to speak to you through his word. Listen, this is the key to our spiritual vitality. We can't have spiritual life without the word of God. So first, the first thing I see here is that Daniel recognized that God's revelation was essential to his life. And God's revelation is essential to your life and my life as well. Second, be as thankful for, re for revelation as you are passionate about requesting revelation. Be as thankful for the revelation as you are passionate about requesting the revelation. And by that I mean Daniel immediately, as soon as God spoke to him, Daniel praised God for speaking to him. Look at verse 19. Then was this secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And five weeks later, Daniel remembered to praise God for the revelation. No, that's a wrong version, okay? No, my version, King James says, Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision, period. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. He wasted no time praising God that he would speak to him. He, re he, he responded with praise. Listen, when God illuminates his word through the spirit, our first response should be praise. See, we often miss this, that if God works in your life through his word at all, I mean through personal reading and study and teaching and preaching, whether or not in that message you have some big decision to make, your first act should be gratitude that someone like him would speak to someone like me. And sometimes we take for granted that God speaks to us. Say, well, that's his job. That's what he's doing. No, he has no obligation to me. Yet the God of heaven is searching for worshipers and he's searching for those that diligently seek him. He wants a relationship with you and I. 
He seeks for it. He longs for it. And very often he's more passionate about a relationship with me than I am a relationship with him. We should never take for granted that God would speak to us through his word. We should immediately praise God any time that he illuminates something to us. Look what Daniel thanked God for in verse 20. Daniel answered and said, just consider what he says. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. I'll start by just saying, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. God, Daniel didn't want anybody to think about his name. No, he, he, I mean, he had a big, a big part in this story, but he wasn't concerned about credit. He was saying, blessed be the name of God. That's the one who deserves the credit. He said, wisdom and might are his. And notice how much he says wisdom here. Verse 21, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. And has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Daniel thanked God for his wisdom. I, I think this is, this is great. The word for wisdom appears four times in this passage. And the idea in this, in the context here, is that man is in the dark. Now when, when we're on our own, we're, we're in the dark. We can't see anything. It's like walking through the dark. Uh, and you're in a dark place. You're in a dark room. Um, sometimes, you know, if I go walk the, the building to make sure everything's locked up at night, I'm walking and it's dark, you know, you don't want to trip over something. And, and walking in the dark, though, um, that's, that's the idea of the context of this text that Daniel is saying, we're in the dark. There are secrets out there that we don't know. Mankind is in the dark, but God is in the light. And God sheds light on secrets. He illuminates things for us that we would have no idea about. He reveals secrets to us that we would have no chance on our own of ever seeing. And listen, even when we don't understand what is happening, we can trust that God does. We may be in the dark about something, but God is in the light. And so Daniel praised him for his wisdom, and he also praised God for his power. We see that in verse 21, he says... Um, that he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. The times and seasons here re refer to the dream that Daniel is going to reveal. And we're going to look at that next time. But the idea is that Nebuchadnezzar's dream was a look into the future. And there are going to be different empires that rise and fall. And Daniel mentions God's power because with the rise and fall of man's kingdoms, it's a reminder that only God is truly in control. You know, mankind, they'll rise up and we think, well, that's a world power right there. But before too long, they fall and, and then somebody else takes their place and they fall and somebody else takes their place. But through it all, there's one throne uh, in heaven that's never gone empty. It's God's and he has all power. And while everything is up and down on earth, God is firmly in control in heaven. It's actually God that sets up and tears down kings and kingdoms. And it may seem like Nebuchadnezzar's the one in, in power here, but he's nothing compared to the power of God. Verse 23, Daniel praised God for personally answering his prayer. He says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might. 
You know, the times and seasons, or um, I already talked about that. He says, O thou God of my fathers who has given me wisdom. You know, it wasn't missed on Daniel that the same God who gave his forefathers wisdom and power was giving him wisdom and power. You know, Daniel was learning what James told him, that, or James wrote that he said that in trials and tribulations, if any of you lack wisdom, let him what? Let him ask of God. You know, there's nothing more appropriate than praising God when he works in your life. Maybe in a way that you've heard other people talk about, but you've never gotten to experience. You remember the, do you remember the first time maybe that God worked in your life in a really special way? And you said, okay, this is what the other, those people have been talking about. Oh, okay, now I know what God's been, what, what these people have been talking about when it comes to God working. I got to experience for me. I remember um, growing, you know, when I went to Bible college and started learning some of the lessons and, and seeing God come through for me. And then in my life, just watching these things happen and thinking, oh, this is what my parents were talking about. And there's something really special about that. But I'm telling you what's really special now as a parent is when my children call and they say, you're never going to believe how God worked in my life this week. And now I get to see what I saw in my parents and I got to experience for myself. Now I'm watching my children who aren't really children anymore learning the same lessons that I got to learn. And I'm telling you, it is very, very satisfying. That Daniel says, the God of my fathers, it's not just about what you've done for other people. No, you've literally now worked in my life. You've done special in something special in my life. The things that I've heard my whole life about how you came through for Abraham and he came through for Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, all of those. Now I'm looking and I'm saying, man, he's doing the same thing for me. And I just want to stop and praise you that I get to experience the things that my parents got to experience and that my forefathers got to experience. Listen, when God works in your life, don't ever take for granted that he's done it for you on a personal level. It's not somebody else's story anymore. It's your story. God's done something special for you. Don't miss it. Daniel praised God both privately and publicly, by the way. Look down at verse 28. Once he goes to the king, it says, he says, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. You know what? Daniel doesn't go and say, oh yeah, here's what I, I, I come up with, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. No, here's what I think it means. No, he says, no, the point is there's a God in heaven, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebi, whatever he called him. Nebi. Might just start using Nebi. Listen, Neb. There's a God in heaven. I'm not the smart one here. It's not my wisdom. It's not my might. No, there's a God in heaven. He's the one that came through for you. I take no credit for this. It's not about my wisdom. Verse 30, he says, But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living. He says, I'm nothing special. I'm nobody special. No, this is all God. And, and that, that Daniel is not just praising God privately in a prayer. No, he's praising God publicly in front of the king. I, I think about last week. Listen, when God works uh, through revelation, let other people know. I think about the testimony service last week. What a great use of our time when someone stands up and says, here's what God's been doing in my life. It matters because that means that God, the revelation of God is no small thing to you. 
That you don't take it for granted. That you're not just kind of saying, oh yeah, God moved in my life, you know, big deal. No, I'm thankful for God working in your life. And when he does, make sure other people know about it. And let them know that it's God, that there's a God in heaven. And he's the one that reveals secrets. It's not about us. It's not that we can take any credit for the good things that happen in our lives. He points to God. He takes no credit. Here's something sometimes we miss when it comes to revelation. See, when your life is blessed because of obedience to this book, make sure that people know that you're not the one that did it. I think about, the, I look around the room and I, and I look and I see, man, a lot of strong marriages in this room. And I'm thankful for strong marriages. Are you? Okay, I hope so. Strong marriages. Did you know, if, if you didn't have God's revelation on how to treat your spouse, you'd be in as big a mess as everybody else out there. It has nothing to do with your wisdom and that your husbands, trust me, you're not a super husband. Our wives are super wives, okay? Obviously, we all married up, right, men? That was your opportunity. You better not have missed that. You better, right, men? Okay, we all married up, okay? Now, uh, we're not superhuman. We're not, we're not smarter than everybody else. No, if we didn't have God's revelation of himself uh, through his word, our marriages would be a mess. And if we didn't have God's revelation through his word, our kids would be a mess. We would not be raising kids that behave and obey and have a good spirit. Uh, It's not about us. Now I look around the room and I see how God has blessed some in this room financially. How many in this room that have been blessed financially would say, yeah, I've been blessed financially because, because I'm so good with my money and really I can take all the credit for this. You Please don't raise your hand. No, you would say, I've been blessed financially because God is a good God who blesses and I simply obeyed his book and look what he's done with my life. How many of you would say, you know, all the times that life is hard and you don't know how God's going to come through and yet we don't have a whole lot. It's not like we've got a lot of wealthy people in this room, but we've seen him come through time and time again. That has nothing to do with you. That has everything to do with the fact that you simply just obeyed God. You kept doing what you ought to do and he came through for you time and time and time again. Don't ever take credit for something you had nothing to do with. God's blessings in your life and God's blessings in my life have nothing to do with me. It's all because God revealed himself to me. And in revealing himself to me, I simply obeyed. And look what he does when we obey. There's appropriate interaction with God's revelation. First, is that we recognize God's revelation is essential to our lives. Second, we must be as thankful for revelation as we are passionate about requesting revelation. We can be really, you know, Daniel was like, please give me the answers here. Please, God. Have you ever done that? Just begging God for the answer. And then when he gives you the answer, you just get up and kind of walk away and forget he actually gave you the answer you were asking for. Well, be as passionate to thank God when he reveals himself as you are requesting it when you have a need. Third, this is remember the twofold purpose of revelation is knowledge and application. The twofold purpose of revelation is knowledge and application. See, Daniel, what we see here in verse 24 is Daniel did something with the revelation. 
He didn't say, oh, that's cool, that's good information. I think I'm just going to you know, go on my merry way. No, he immediately took what he knew was revelation and he acted immediately. He knew that sitting on revelation was putting his life at risk. And here's the point that truth, when it's preached, or truth when it's taught, or truth when it's understood, it is meant to be obeyed. Our spiritual lives are at risk without action. Listen, if you hear without doing, what does the Bible say you become? You become deceived. Your spiritual life is at risk if all you ever do is hear and you never do anything with it. Look at verse 25. Then Arioch brought in Daniel. After Daniel goes to Arioch and says, I've got the answer. He brought in Daniel before the king in haste. There was, this was urgent. And said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. First, I just want to say, Arioch, come on. You didn't find this man. Daniel came to you, bud. You know, this is not you, but I'm sure Arioch's trying to earn some points with the king. He says, I found a man who can tell you, verse 26 and 27. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me? Uh, by the way, Belteshazzar is, Babel, is the Babylonian name given to Daniel. Uh, it says, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show unto the king. See, Daniel makes it clear that, that this is nothing that could have been done with man's wisdom. He says, this is not about me. It's not because I'm smart. It's not because I have some special ability. You know, it's not really about me without revelation um, we would all be destroyed, he says. Without, if we were leaning on your men, if we were leaning on the wisdom of men, all of us would be dead. And that's the truth, that if we, de if we depend on the wisdom of men or our own wisdom to live our lives, the only option we have is destruction. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of what? Are the ways of what? Death. That's the only option we have. When we leave God out of the process, we are in trouble. And Daniel makes that clear. But he lo I love how he contrasts the futility of man's wisdom and all the astrologers and all the magicians and soothsayers. In verse 28, he says, and I love the phrase I used a few weeks ago, but there is a God in heaven that revealed the secrets. There's no help on earth. But there is a God in heaven. See, revelation is not just about truth, it's about the source of truth. See, truth is only as powerful as its origin. The reason that we should be very thankful and excited about and happy for truth is not because we have great knowledge now and we're becoming intellectuals. No, it's because truth leads us to the God of heaven. And when you have a need, you can have confidence because you have a God in heaven with might and power. See, revelation from God can be trusted because God can be trusted. And I love how Daniel doesn't just give Nebuchadnezzar help. He points to the one who gave him help. He says, there's a God in heaven. He's the source of your help. Listen, God's revelation, his word, it's, it's, it's incredibly helpful. But don't lose sight of the fact that revelation, this book right here, it really is meant to simply point us to a person. I mean, I'm thankful for God's word. 
But if I just stop at God's word when I'm, when I'm living my life, then all it ever becomes is a book to me. No, this book is a revealer of God to me. And it is about a person. It's not simply about truth. It's not simply about knowledge. It is about the person behind the truth and the knowledge. Daniel sets up the interpretation then by telling Nebuchadnezzar that his dream points to the future. And, and he says this dream is going to give us a glimpse of, into what's going to happen with kingdoms and to, from your kingdom all the way until Jesus Christ's kingdom. We'll look at that next time. But the point is that revelation doesn't simply stop at knowledge. Revelation should lead us to application. And for Nebuchadnezzar, the application was that he, was, he, he needs to become humble about his kingdom. Because there's only one with all power and all the answers. And his name is God. And Nebuchadnezzar needed to hear that lesson. So listen, even in Revelation, God wasn't simply giving information. He was giving those who received the revelation an opportunity to change. And that's what he does every time you sit under the word. Every time you open it to read it, every time you hear it taught, every time you, you hear it preached, it's not just ear candy. It's not just, oh, that sounds really nice. No, God's desire is that we change. So when God reveals, go beyond hearing to doing. Consider what the truth looks like tomorrow. And I, and I really think that we as a church could do, it. I just feel strongly that we as a church need to do better at this. And by that I mean, apply the truth in ways the preacher may not even mention. Because there are, going, there are going to be times where you hear a message, you hear a word, the word preached, and you may not really even understand what the point of the message was. I'm sorry. You may hear a message and you're like, I don't even know how that applies to me. I'm not sure. What does this have to do with me? Listen, your job when you hear a message is not to just sit and take it in and say good message. No, your job the entire time to be an active listener is to sit, just to think the whole time, okay, how, what does this look like in my life tomorrow? What does this look like when I wake up in the morning what does this look like if I was to take this truth to its end? And the preacher may not ever say anything about it, but the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is enough to illuminate his word in your life and teach you some things that somebody else may never even say. And I want to encourage you to be an active listener when someone teaches or preaches. That it's not just about, well, if they didn't spoon feed me every application, then I have no way to apply this. No, you, you have a, a brain and you have a Bible and, and you have enough going for you that you can apply it to your life whether or not the preacher mentions something that applies to you. And, and beg the Holy Spirit to illuminate it. He's the one that guides us into all truth. Uh, don't ever, don't get to the place where you're letting, you're letting somebody else spoon feed you the word of God. No, it is your responsibility to hear it and not just hear it, apply it to your life. Consider that the end of the message is not the, the final amen is not the end of the message. No, it's actually the starting gun. It's the point where you now will take what you've heard and you are going to apply it. You're going to live it. You're going to do something with it. And, and by the way, if you get down to the end of a message and you say, literally, 
Pastor, honestly, there's not anything in this message that applies to me. I don't, I, I mean, it's a good message, but I think I've got some things in my life that are going well and I don't necessarily need it. Okay, but did God speak at all to you? Did God reveal anything at all to you? Because if he even spoke about anything, if he worked at all in your life, if you knew his presence was working in your life, you have a reason to respond with praise. That the God of heaven, that a God like him would speak to someone like me. That's worthy of a response. Listen, put yourself in a position to be exposed to revelation as much as possible. This is a good application. Put yourself in a position to be exposed to revelation as much as possible. Personal reading is essential to your spiritual life. You say, well, you know, I come to church a couple times a week. Well, do you just eat a couple times a week? No, you, you've got to feed yourself every day. You know, I'm not going to tell you you should do it in the morning or you should do it at night, but I do think you should have the same time, same place kind of a, a routine going on. You say, every day at this time, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to intake God's word. It is essential to your spiritual life. You cannot get enough three messages a week and expect that to last you all week for yourself. Corporate teaching and preaching is essential too. I mean, it's a good balance. You read, you look, you study, but you also need the teaching and the preaching. According to the New Testament, both are necessary to our spiritual growth. Your personal relationship with God is dependent on your response to revelation, folks. Daniel's answers didn't come from Babylon. They didn't come from friends. They didn't come from school. No, his answers came from the God of heaven. But you know why he got answers? He got answers because of how seriously he took revelation. He had a personal relationship with God. And it could be the reason you don't have the answers you want is because you don't have the relationship with God that you need. It could be that the reason you don't have the answers in life that you want is because you don't have the relationship with God that you need. God has always given answers to those that seek him. Hebrews eleven six says that God's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you would just honestly, diligently seek God, you might find there are more answers than you realized. But you hadn't heard them before because you haven't diligently been seeking his revelation. If we recognize the importance of revelation with God, we'll appropriately interact with his revelation and we'll have the answers that other people won't. I mean, life has a lot of questions. Like Nebuchadnezzar had questions. And if you're complacent about God, you're not going to be able to answer those questions. But if you're passionate about revelation, you seek it diligently, you let others know when God reveals it, you know what? You might actually have an opportunity to influence an unbeliever who's looking for answers. If you'll take seriously your responsibility to seek a relationship with God and view his revelation as essential in your life, you're going to find yourself with answers that most people don't get. Now, it's not about you. It's about God. But I'm telling you, they're going to look at you and think, you're, you're something special. Well, no, we're nothing special. We just have a special God and a special book and some really good information. Worldly wisdom seems so correct, but it fails every time. God's wisdom is not popular, but it's right every time. So I'm just going to, I'm encouraging you tonight, do whatever it takes to prioritize God's revelation because it's essential to your life. And when he does work in your life through revelation, thank him. 
Don't just move on. Thank him and do something with it. Uh, just consider Daniel, his interaction with Revelation. Just want to review this. He sought God for it. He praised God for it. He did something with it. And he taught it to others. That's a pretty good way to interact with God's revelation. He sought God for it. He praised God for it. He did something with it. And he taught it to others. Does that describe your interactions with God's revelation? How seriously do you take your reading of God's word? Do you listen when it's taught and preached? Uh, parents, let's make sure our children are taught to value teaching and preaching. That's one reason I, I like the fact that we all sit together on Sunday nights. That's why I have the young people in here on Wednesday nights. I think there's value in all of us, as many as we can as a church, sitting together and hearing God's word. I think there's value to that. But we need to teach them. You know, sometimes with our young people, maybe they get a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, restless and, and, and they don't like to sit and listen. That's a long time to sit and listen. But it's a good, it's a good discipline for them. To recognize, you know what, when God's word is preached or taught, we're not moving around. When God's word is preached or taught, we're going to sit and listen with all of our hearts. Why? Because God's revelation is essential to your spiritual life. They need to know that. They need to see mom and dad take very seriously the, the, the times that we meet together and God's revelation is, is, is taught and preached that we take it seriously. Often our interaction with Revelation is, can I stay awake for the next 45 minutes? Or I'll, just, I'll play my Bible app and let God's word play, but I, I need to check my emails too. Sorry, you can't do both. <laughs> or that was a nice sermon, but it's lunchtime and it's time to go. Or maybe check Bible reading done. What's next on my to-do list? Has that become your view of God's Revelation? If it is, it may be that we need something of a revival about how seriously we take our interactions with God's revelation. Read it, listen to it, praise God for it, do something with it, and teach others about it as well. God's revelation is essential to your spiritual life. I hope you're taking it very seriously. Let's stand together. We'll have a verse of invitation, giving an opportunity to respond. Let's make sure that we do proper business with the Lord tonight. And the reason I think this is so important is because in a group like this, you sit under a lot of revelation. And I think the more we do something, more likely we are to take it for granted, to do it wrong. So I'm asking you tonight, maybe you just need a reminder, maybe just a recalibration of your response to the revelation of God in your life. Father, we love you. We need you tonight. We, we pray that you work in our lives and you take this message and, and apply it. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit, just like we've preached about tonight, the Holy Spirit would illuminate to us the words that we've heard and that we would apply, take very seriously our responsibility to revelation. Why? Well, it's necessary for our, our spiritual lives. Without it, Lord, we have no hope to be who we're supposed to be. So God, help us tonight to treat Revelation as seriously as Daniel did. We love you. We pray that you'd speak and work in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.